college students around the uh, United States of America are now changing their tone as far as uh, what they like or dislike about their current president, and this is how they have their sentiments. They are not saying brilliant Joe Biden. I can tell no. you that. They're no. not saying smart Joe Biden. They're saying something else. So. They're saying basically the definition of a Mesopotamian act of planting a seed. Yeah, essentially, it is an F, it is a U, there's two other letters. You know what it means! I do not need to elaborate much further, I assume. So those of you who didn't hear it, it also happened on the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, right here in Democrat-controlled New York City. This is what medical workers were saying about the medical mandates uh, brought on by Governor Hochul, who also got the familiar chant along with Joe Schmo. Let's go. So basically, that is what you can tell the mood is around the United States. So they would all like to uh, have the president do something to himself. Is essentially the thing. Nobody wants anybody to really hard him. They just want him to, well, go Brandon. Okay, that's basically it. Let's go Brandon. That's the whole thing. Now, where did that let's go Brandon come from? That came from a NASCAR race where the president showed up expecting to be cheered, and he was cheered indeed. The crowd certainly got into his being there, and they let him have it. Uh, a, a reporter, unfortunately, uh, didn't hear it quite accurately or decided to change what the crowd was saying and decided to say, let's go, Brandon. Meanwhile, now we take you on to the second half of our interview with Marvin Jeffcoat. Marvin, of course, is running in the 26th District of Queens. Yes, the 26th District. Now, he does have a fundraiser coming up, and uh, Marvin's fundraiser is a pretty good one. Hey, you get to eat. Most other fundraisers, they just bring you there, right? And Or, or, or they ask for money. With Marvin, you actually go to a place. You can... Uh, you can you can have a meal. You can meet your candidate and uh, uh, essentially uh, get a chance to talk to him and other uh, people within his party who are going to be there. You can, of course, uh, sit down and have a chance to chat with a gentleman who is a military veteran uh, and uh, someone you can, of course, uh, get together. And, uh, and, and, uh, you know, share your ideas with about a lot of things. Now, there is a, uh, a fundraiser, as we said, and uh, that is uh, coming up tomorrow night. Well, that is on the 14th. And uh, this is going to be Thursday, October 14th at the uh, Rico Restaurant at 4506 Greenpoint Avenue in Sunnyside. That's here in Queens. 
Uh, they will have a lot of personalities, they say, according to Marvin Present. Again, that is at uh, 4506. 4506, where is that? Greenpoint Avenue in Sunnyside. When you give a blind guy a note, please make sure you write it large so he remembers, okay? Especially when the blind guy's writing it himself. All right, I'm Mike of New York. Let's bring in Marvin Jeffco. The second half of our interview where he talks about jobs, 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 and what that means for Queens and you and how peace and order, supporting our police, keeping security going and doing projects that help the people and the community work better, act better, or make it a better place. Here is Marvin Jeffco on Mike of New York. When we talk about that, uh, you, you mentioned in one of the past interviews, uh, jobs, jobs, jobs. You said uh, uh, jobs is, a, is an important way to, uh, you know, stop crime, get people back to work, uh, get the city moving again. In this community, you'll probably see 70% of the people working three jobs, uh, you know, doing three things to earn money from. It, it's just very common in the Asian American community. It's very common in all communities in New York City. But when you when you look at uh, it here, there's another issue uh, beyond that, and that is uh, okay. So we create the jobs, but how do we make sure that uh, you know the, the people working those jobs are people who are New Yorkers who are from here, and not just more and more uh, imports coming in uh, that are here to work you know a slave wage, well below the minimum wage, and just to pay off. Uh, snakeheads or people who smuggle them into the country or cartels or whatever uh you know where they're willing to work for three four dollars an hour uh how do we make sure those people are protected and then also our people are protected uh who need the jobs as well right well you know immigration is a federal issue but we should all be on board with enforcing federal law you have to abide by the constitution you have to enforce the law we have a rogue so-called president in the white house who's derelict in his job. He's committed treason, in my opinion. He's opened the border to allow more of those victims to come across the border. And, you know, like I said before, leave it to a Democrat socialist to create a system, a, a situation where there is no good solutions. Um, but what you have to do is you have to replicate what President Trump did, and that's if you're a true asylum seeker, you remain in Mexico, you get a court date, or you remain in Canada or wherever it is you're coming from, and, and you apply for asylum, and you go through the judicial process. But with a porous border, there's no way that we can control the slave labor that's coming in. Because, you know, as great a police force as New York is, NYPD is, they're not, they're ill-equipped to do that. But where you find crime, you have to enforce the law. And, and you know, that goes with public services. Um, you provide humane treatment and care, and you repatriate people that have entered the country illegally, but to totally ignore the situation for a government to create a sanctuary city saying, we're not going to obey the laws on the books already, and we're just going to totally let immigration go. That exacerbates the situation. That creates an environment where the slave laborers, or the slave traders, rather, can prey on slave labor. 
So they, you know, they come out and they say, oh, we're here to help immigrants. They're not helping immigrants. Number one, you need to make a distinction between people like my wife who came here legally and became a citizen very proudly and people who have come into the country illegally. You've, you've got to enforce the law so that you protect legal immigrants, but also you have to provide humane treatment. So makeshift detention centers with tents in the hot heat and cages for little children, that's, that's the Obama way, that's the Biden way. That's not the right way. Um, you have to have adequate facilities, but you don't have to have as many facilities if you start enforcing the law at the border. If we enforce the law, it would discourage more lawlessness from coming across the border, and we, we would be able to identify the people that are abusing those that come here illegally and, and stop it. But when you, when you create an underground market for slave labor, you, you, pretty much you have the government in partnership with the sex traffickers and the slave, slave labor traders where they foster that type of environment. So when these people come for medical care, you don't just say, oh, we're, we're not concerned about your papers. If, if there's medical treatment that's needed, you know, I'm actually okay with paying taxpayer dollars to treat somebody that's in need or to give someone a vaccine that's in need, um, not mandated, but that they seek. But after that, you have to take their information and you have to repatriate them to the nation of origin so that they know it's not just catch and release and you can go out into the uh, heartland of America and, and, and have a subculture. Because when you do that, you create the environment for vicious people to prey on them. They're forever looking behind their backs. Like I said before, if you love the immigrant, you teach the immigrant to come in the lawful way to speak, read, and write English so they can work and advocate for themselves and they owe nobody nothing. If you really love them, you share full citizenship. Now, we can't just open the borders and bring everybody in. There has to be a lawful, orderly process. Once you establish that again, you'll see the numbers go down. And if you actively seek out and repatriate people that are here unlawfully, the word will get out that, hey, no, America's great, but you can't do it illegally. And guess what? When you do do it legally, there's a lot of money to be made because a lot of immigrants are hardworking people. And if they could apply their skill, their knowledge, and their earnest work ethic in a legal profession, guess what? They'd probably become millionaires. But as long as they have to work for slave labor, the slave wages, they're always going to be depressed. The other thing, of course, is, of course, for our, our job seekers, our people, uh, what kind of jobs would you create within the district that can you know, help people get ahead? I mean, we're right now sitting in an area that, that uh, a lot of people point to and they say, oh, look at this, you know, this is project housing. No, this isn't project housing. This was all private corporations that built almost all these buildings around here and not city funds. And there was some tax incentives for them back in the, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, this would have been back in the LaGuardia era when most of these buildings were built around here. Uh, and there are thousands of apartments all throughout this particular area of Jackson Heights. Uh, but a lot of it was built with, with uh, you know, uh, uh, private funds in order to create jobs. Would you be willing to, you know, look at those types of options within the district, allowing more people to come in and, and you know, develop more affordable housing for people, let's say, as, as a means of creating jobs within the district? Well, I, I want to say, first of all, the Guardia era buildings, that was a great era 
as a facility manager, that was a great area for buildings. A little bit of tender loving care, retrofit um, with energy performance contracts, and these buildings can be brought into the 21st century under an energy performance contract to operate more energy efficiently and provide what we need. Um, but I, I think, like I said before, the best way to make housing affordable is to create well-paying jobs. And, you know, listening to Joe Piscopo, we don't make things in America anymore. We have a lot of factory space that they want to turn in to luxury lofts that, quite frankly, most people in my neighborhood can't afford. I want to take those areas that are already zoned commercially and bring manufacturers back. Our problem in New York is we don't make things anymore, and we can do that. Like Joe Piscopo asked, why can't we um, make uh, refrigerators? Because he had a refrigerator issue um, where he needed a new one. Why can't we make those on the south side of Chicago? Why can't we make them in Long Island City, Woodside, and Sunnyside? In the space, it's already commercially zoned. Instead of putting families in what may or may not be a super fun site where you have to do a lot of restoration and you may not know whether it's a super fun site until it's, excuse me, until it's too late. Keep it commercially zoned and you bring corporations back into the city by lowering the corporate tax rate. Corporations pay almost 10% of their net income, so after they pay all their expenses and they pay the feds, they gotta give New York City 8.85, almost 10% of their net earnings. I would bring that down between one and 5%, and it would be on a sliding scale, negotiable, based on their ability to hire people within the district, their ability to be environmental stewards, and, and to abide by the regulations. So, you know, we this is 2021, right? We don't need to pollute Newtown Creek with paints and other pollutants. We can operate in an energy-efficient, environmentally safe way. So when a company says, hey, Marvin, I want to come back to your district, or I want to come to your district, and I want to make X, Y, Z because I see a need for it, and I'm going to hire people from the district, I'm going to operate with energy-efficient equipment, and I'm not going to pollute and destroy the environment, I want that company in my district, and I want that company to pay as little in corporate taxes as possible because they're going to hire more people, and those people are going to have well-paying jobs. They're going to occupy the buildings that you talk about, and, and guess what? The little mom-and-pop shops around them are going to grow, and that's, that's the key to economic power is to provide clientele for the mom-and-pop, for the entrepreneurial spirit that we have in our neighborhood, many of which, by the way, are immigrants. They have this program called, uh, I remember when, when uh, I'd moved here from Buffalo, we were starting out and all that, and I was trying to get into public housing, I was trying to get into different programs and all this. But right away, the first thing the city of New York offered me was one time, big time, $4,000 for me and my son uh, each, you know, just to move out of New York to Jersey. Uh, it was kind of ridiculous for me, you know, it's like, I'm a New Yorker, I came from Buffalo, I came down here. I got I got some medical things that that I get I, I need taken care of, which is already covered. The, you know the city doesn't have to pay a dime for it. And then my son had a full scholarship at a or has a full scholarship at a, at a at a at a college here. And uh, you know so here we are just trying to go, learn the process and go through it. And our local uh, state assembly office comes up and says, why don't you apply for this? You know so you can move to Jersey or you can go somewhere else. You don't want to stay in the city anymore. So that seems to be the process that they're doing. They, they're, they're helping newcomers come in who really have no history with the United States whatsoever. They're not citizens in many cases. Uh, they're not here legally. And then on top of that, they're 
pushing away or shoving away uh, people who, who are not from here. I'll give you another example is I was getting medical treatment at a, at a city hospital and was told by a person working in that hospital, why are you coming to this hospital? You're, you know, you're Caucasian. You can go to, you know, you have a Jewish last name. You, you can go to, a, you know, a, 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 a better hospital uh, because this place is set aside for, for immigrants, you know. And it just shocked me. I'm like, I live three blocks away. This is why I'm coming here, you know. And it's, it's supposed to be a good hospital. Um, and, and this is the type of thing you're dealing with here where, where they seem to be, uh, and in both instances, the persons I were talking to, both were wearing a little red rose pinned to their lapel, which tells me they're members, even with my bad eyesight, I can still see that, they're members of the Democratic Socialist uh, uh, of America, which is a very big party now growing with working families here in New York City. Uh, how do you deal with that type of situation? How would you deal with that situation when you're on the city council? Well, you know, socialists have always used race and ethnicity to divide people. The, the Nazis were good at it. The Bolsheviks were great at it. You know, they would bring in the Mongolians to suppress the white Russians and vice versa. Um, and it's, it's about displacement because they want to displace what's naturally in America with newer slave labor, uh, like we just talked about earlier. So none of that's by mistake. It's, it's very much by design. But you have a huge 14th Amendment issue there because you have a local government, so the 14th Amendment will apply, and they're creating policy based on race and ethnicity. And yeah, I'll give you some stories, some examples that disgust me. I have uh, a friend in a similar situation, and uh, you know he, he became unemployed, hardworking guy, and he wanted to apply for food stamps and unemployment just to hold him over um, while he was searching for a job. And you know he was unemployed because he's the kind of guy that couldn't sell a used car to an old woman that didn't need it. All right, and because of that, you know. He couldn't stay in that industry. But the long story short is he's of Hispanic heritage, and uh, he speaks fluent English, and he speaks fluent Spanish, and he was denied assistance because he spoke English too well. And what kind of nonsense is that in the United States of America? I have a similar situation, um, a lady of Irish-American descent, and, uh, you know, she, her unemployment benefits are running out, and um, she's approaching the age of Social Security, and she needs assistance, and um, she's not being given any help. She was turned down for food stamps um, because she, basically she's Caucasian. I mean, it's, that's racism. That's wrong. And these, these programs were designed to help people out in temporary need and to get them on their feet until they can find a steady income. But they're being redesigned so that they funnel a mass migration and invasion um, a soft invasion of illegal immigrants that are going to be the foot soldiers of the socialists. Unwittingly, because they don't really know what they're being used for. All they say is, you know, hey, that's the land of milk and honey, and they've opened the border, and I'm going to come here and feed my family. Um, if they're aware of that, they're wrong, and they should know better, but a lot of them don't. So you can't blame a guy for wanting to feed his family. But I think what you do is, again, you go back to the rule of law, and, you know, when I have a question about an issue, I look at the Bible and I look at the Constitution. And in this case, the 14th Amendment says you can't do that. You cannot disparage against people because of race, ethnicity, religious 
religion or creed, you know? And the Socialist Democrats in New York do exactly that because they're exercising racial purification because they want to move certain ethnicities out to bring certain ethnicities in because they feel that these people will be their voter base and they'll be their foot soldier, their worker bees. And you have to stop it. You, so as, as a city council person, I would, I would um, raise the issue and I would call on the federal government to prosecute it. Now to do that, you have to have an honest federal government. And so, you know, we're gonna have, we're gonna have problems all over the place, but I, I would ask that the public advocate, which is why we need a conservative Republican as a public advocate, we need a conservative Republican as a mayor, and we as a borough president, and we need myself in there, because we're gonna raise awareness to these issues, and we're gonna take these people, we're gonna use the power that we, we have to file suit on behalf of people like yourself and the friends I just named who are being disparaged against based on the 14th Amendment if the federal government won't come in and prosecute those that are doing that criminally, we'll prosecute them civilly. So that's that's my take and that's, that's what I would do to remedy that situation. Okay, so we're going to wrap up now uh, on this. Uh, we, you know, obviously until the election day, you're always welcome to come on with us. Uh, Marvin and, and uh, you know we'll, we'll try and uh, get your word out there because I know you're having trouble getting it out in the regular media as well. I've called some of the local papers and tried to submit stories on, on your race and other friends of mine who are running and, and other things. And some of them were even Democrats, but they weren't the selected Democrats or they weren't the, the you know the, the, the pick ones. So uh, there seems to be that uh, uh, great firewall, blue firewall they're calling it about about getting information out. So I want to thank you for coming in uh, this morning. Do you have anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Mike, I want to thank you so much for doing what you're doing and bringing light to all these situations, asking questions that need to be answered that our Democrat, socialist opposition won't answer. And I invite all your listeners to visit our website, MarvinJeffcoat.com, www.MarvinJeffcoat.com, MarvinJeffcoat.com. If you can make a donation, please do. Encourage your friends to get out and vote for you. If you can vote for us. Um, I'm one man working for all of us, and I, you know, I, I hope to get in there and correct the mess that de Blasio and the other Democrat socialists have made. Again, thank you very much.